0: My wife got an email a few months ago that our router is due for an update. But we're both so busy right now, you know, with me with work. And then on the weekends, I end up, someone's like, hey, come hang out. Okay. You know, and then before you know it, we're sitting around. Man, the internet seems a little slow. Maybe we need to update the router. <laughs> and it, but it's, it's 10 o'clock. We're not doing it right now. Yeah. no, and we, we, we keep making it something that we need to do it's an afterthought
1: exactly i mean it's not one of those things that you think about oh i need to do this right now it's it, its more of a thing that you think about when you try to use the internet and then you get pissed off when it doesn't work as it's well. not working
0: you are listening
1: to trophy horse with your host tricky mick alex i yield to no one steve and sid Hello, everyone, and welcome to Trophy Horrors. This is episode four hundred and eighty-three. I'm your host this week, Alex, and joining me in this mid E3 week celebration, it's I yield to no one. Man, you know what?
0: I need to start getting some arcade cactus. That's what I need to do. What 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 sprung this? What brought this on? So I, I, I we, you know, a little behind the scenes. I was going through my emails while we were getting set up. And I got an, uh, email from Arcade One Up. And they are doing a Miss Pac Man Galaga cabinet where it's got, who's here? One, two, three. Oh, good half a dozen or more arcade games on it. And it's called The Class of 1981. And it looks kind of cool. And I'm like, man. I need to get me some arcade cabinets
1: well now those the arcade one up those are the ones that you'll see at like Walmart for four hundred dollars, correct
0: yeah, they're basically uh kind of a miniature one but at a fraction of the price, but, but yeah but, like you would, but you, have, you would
1: kneel in front of the cabinet
0: well to unless play you, it. unless you had the riser, the riser makes it stand up to where you don't necessarily have to kneel, but yes.
1: Yeah, that that would be preferable to have the riser because otherwise you sit like kneeling. Because one of the games they have is the I I think that Ninja Turtles, the Turtles in Time arcade game. Yeah, the four player one, and which is great. But you figure like how long it would take to play through that game? I mean, not particularly long, but like just kneeling that entire time, you'd have to have some pillows down there, you know, oh, to yeah. so see your knees to get tired. So how much? How much is the riser?
0: Risers are fifty, seventy-five bucks. I think depending on if you get just a standard black visor, if you get the visor that's kind of colored with the cabinet, because they do offer those, then you're gonna pay like seventy five bucks or more. Instead of just a standard black one,
1: I I wasn't exactly sure where this because you know you never you never really talk about arcade games. Now we have a place here in Louisville called Rec Bar, which has got all kinds of pinball machines and old arcade games. It's just like a like a barcade where you go. They got food. Get drinks, and they just got a whole bunch of arcade games and stuff. And every time I go there, it's like, man, I really need to get, you know, an art school, like the old school, like specific arcade, like get like yeah. a Simpsons arcade or uh, an X Men arcade game, even though I, I bought them when they came out on the PlayStation 3, so I can play them there. But there's stuff th- there's something about playing on arcade cabinets, though. There is, but you go online and look at the prices and then think of the maintenance. Like the prices, they're over $1,000 easily. And then you think about the maintenance of them; it's like, eh, is it really worth it? But the the, the, the one up arcade cabinets, the arcade one up or whatever they're called, those are really cool because like they're specifically you know for home. So it's not like yeah. oh, I need to go and have any kind of special thing to play this or you know I need to it, it, you know upkeep's not as much, and you don't have to pay nearly as much to get them in the door. And they're yeah. they're much. I mean, they come in boxes, you know, so they're easier to get in the door than say a big arcade they,
0: cabinet. They, would they from said the 90s. I, I, watched a, I watched I watched I was just. Flipping through stuff the other day, and I watched a video on on Arcade 1-Up. And their cabinets, they say, weigh like 60 to 80 pounds. So, like, when it's fully assembled, to pick it up and move it really ain't that big of a problem. Whereas an old-school arcade cabinet is kind of a bear to move. These are designed more easily to, you know, you can pick it up and move it. But what really got me into this a while ago is they did a, last year or a couple years ago, they had a 40th anniversary Pac-Man cabinet. And it had Pac-Man, Pac-Plus, and a few other games on it. And it was wood grain, Had Pac- the Pac-Man logo on it, like from the arcade. And I'm like, oh, that looks slick. And then this email popped up about the pre-order for Miss Pac-Man slash Galaga. And the cabinet is like half-half. One half of the one side of the cabinet's got the Miss Pac-Man logo. The other side's got the Galaga logo on it. I'm like, that's kind of cool.
1: My, I assume you mean like on the sides, like the sides of the arcade cabinet are each one of those. Yes, and maybe maybe some kind of dual thing in the middle. But like yes. each each side would have like a big picture from each game on there.
0: You are absolutely correct. The looks like the left side of the cabinet is decked out Miss Pac-Man. Right side of the cabinet's decked out Galaga. And I'm just like, that is so
1: cool. That could make for some interesting game nights for you locally, for you and the guys, you and the brain and Homer, when you guys get together and play games. I mean, party yield's house with arcade cabinets. With
0: arcade cabinets, yes. My wife's like, "What are we going to do with these?" I'm like, "I don't care. (laughs) We'll we'll worry about that later."
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, yield. It seems like you've got arcade cabinets on the brain, while much of the industry is probably focused on the digital version of E3 going on right now. Now, we're not going to get too big into it right now, but i got to say, after reading through the news and some of the announcements, which there are some some big announcements that even interest me, even without Sony being a presence of E3 this year, uh well, yet again, but it doesn't feel like E3 week to me. Like, it just no, doesn't feel like E3
0: anymore. Honestly, until you said about it, I totally forgot it was E3 week. Of course, I've been kind of busy and haven't stayed up on my socials and haven't seen stuff pop up. But, yeah, it's E3 week. Wow.
1: Well, I mean, for me, I'll be owning a Switch. Nintendo's next Direct, which will be happening on the 17th. So, it'll be happening... Is it the 17th? I think it's the 17th. Uh, it'll be happening on Tuesday. No, wait. Hold on. 17th is not Tuesday. Uh, Yeah, okay. So, I had to, It wasn't the 17th. It's the 15th. So, it will be happening on it Tuesday, is Tuesday. So, yeah. So, it'll be happening on the 15th. So, the next Nintendo Direct will be happening on Tuesday. That's really, of all the things E3, Like that's what I'm looking forward to the most, because obviously I own a Switch, so what they're going to be announcing is more most pertinent to me, but we've already had Square Enix come up, we had Microsoft do their presentation, and we did have some news that we'll talk about, come out of both of those. But, yeah, you know, I, I just kind of had that thought where it's like, man, I'm, I'm going through all this news, and E3 is just not like must-watch content anymore for me. And, you know, granted, I don't own an Xbox, so really, why would I watch a Microsoft press conference? I'm not huge on Square Enix, so, I mean, it makes sense why it wouldn't, you know, feel that way, but it used to be where I would watch all the coverage. Oh, on yeah. four Or, you know, go to GameSpot.com or IGN.com and just look through everything, but, you know, that's just, that feeling's just not there anymore. I, I think I've finally, you know, like, physical, you know, see like, CDs and records and physical music media years ago, I feel like I've I've given up on E3.
0: I know that I used to watch the Microsoft press conference just for the simple fact of I wanted to see what, what they were putting out. You know, are they putting out content that makes me go, you know what? I want to play that. I, I want to buy an Xbox to play that. And truth be told, lately they have not done that. Now with the accusish, accusation, accusation. Ah, English. Acquisition. Me. Thank you. Of all of the top or some of the top developers out there, I'm sure they're going to start putting out content that makes me go, you know what, maybe I should buy one.
1: Yeah, but that's the question with Xbox's strategy, especially when it comes to Bethesda and not sure which games will be exclusive to them and which games are going to be appearing on other platforms. It's like, you know, even if Microsoft owns a studio, do you necessarily need to own an Xbox? You know, especially if if you have a...
0: If it's going to be a timed exclusive, you can just wait. If you have a PC, you know, obviously you don't
1: necessarily need an Xbox, but even for other games, you know, their strategy with Bethesda is like, well, some games will be exclusive and others won't. And as we've talked about before, Microsoft's strategy is not necessarily like we own the studio, so everything is going to be exclusive to us or to the Xbox. They, you know, they just want you to play their games. They want to put their games out there and they want you playing any way you can, so... Not that they're going to put a whole bunch of stuff on, you know, the Switch or the PlayStation 5, but the fact that some of that may be available to other consoles is, you know, it gives you pause. It's like, well, do I do I need to actually own an Xbox? Um, which has always kind of befuddled me a little bit about their strategy. But, yeah, so I just kind of wanted to bring that up that it's
0: E3 week and it doesn't feel it, like... It doesn't it, feel like it. It used to be Christmas this time of year. And, you know...
1: Before, like, there were much fewer shows. I mean, you had PAX, maybe you had E3, Tokyo Game Show. Now, there's so many directs and, and smaller shows beforehand that, you know, there's just not enough to announce. There's, there's just not as many new announcements at E3 anymore.
0: Well, I mean, you're right. I mean, it it had been... The luster that was E3 was, was kind of starting to die down. Pandemic didn't help. Everybody switched to digital at that point. And now everybody kind of sees the benefit of having a digital conference where you don't have the big bucks that you have for, you know, an E3 presentation. We can focus on every other month, every three months, we can drop a state of play and we can focus on... A certain game coming up or we can focus on these games coming up and then in essence, all the games get an opportunity to shine where at e3 you have to pick and you hope that the one you pick is a home run because this is our big marketing. this is what we're pushing. Well yeah, I mean you're, you're definitely dead on about you know
1: it being much cheaper to put on a digital showcase than say, Pay employees to go to E3, have all these big elaborate setups and everything. I remember going to, I think, or one of my my first packs and just seeing that for Skyrim they had this giant dragon on the floor, and I was just in awe of this thing on the show floor, surrounded by games. And you know the amount of money that it takes to put on even be a part of one of those shows has to be a lot. So a digital showcase certainly negates a lot of that. But also, you know, with doing you know Nintendo directs or Sony doing their state of plays. It's you look, they, You don't have to compete with other games so as part of E3, there's just game after game after game Or as you know, with Sony putting the Horizon showcase out, all eyes were on Horizon before that, all, all eyes were on Ratchet & Clank so, it, they're, honestly like, E3 was a good time at one point I even had, you know, I, I was lucky enough to go to E3 as media one year but, it's not necessarily the best way to showcase your games anymore and it's not the easiest way to showcase your games. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I Like I said before, I like the little individual showcases. And no, nobody, you know, Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft, if they do that, no one has
0: to compete with anybody else. They just have to. And maybe... Exactly. Exactly. At that, you know, where at E3, at, you know, your big three are doing their press conference. And then, you know, Ubisoft and Digital Revolver. Revolver? Yeah. Digital Revolver and all them other, you know... No, I think you're talking about digital or Devolver Digital. Devolver Digital, sorry. And EA. And everybody was kind of breaking off and kind of doing their own things. Which was kind of great for gamers at its heyday because you know, we could watch all these different trailers, some of the smaller ones would focus on games that we didn't push at the big three. But... It, there comes a time where, and maybe it's just me, maybe it's my age, they would push games, or you would see something, and then it changes, it gets pushed, it was mentioned at E3, and then never mentioned again, and then all of a sudden here it is on the store shelf. I, I like, I like these, I didn't think I would, but I like these little state of place, Nintendo Directs, because they, they focus on a few things, they're what half hour, and we're yes. done. It, we, it's, we, it's we much easier you...
1: to sit and watch one of those than to carve out an entire weekend surfing through a bunch of e three. It is.
0: We we give you enough information. If you don't like it, sorry, we didn't hit your wheelhouse, but it, maybe the last half did. Where I remember sitting through, you know, Ubisoft press conference and EA's press conference. You know, sitting the press conference to prep for a podcast. And I'd sit there and be like, that was an hour and a half of my life. And there may have been two minutes that I actually enjoyed. And the rest of it is games that just don't hit my wheelhouse. And I'm just like, oh, it's so boring. But, you know, I had to talk about it for a podcast. If I was just watching it myself, I'd have been like, nope, not watching this at all. Nothing interesting. You know, give me the cliff notes. Maybe I'll catch the trailer somewhere else. But the the directs, I'll sit through it 30 minutes long. If I if there wasn't nothing that benefited me at that moment, I just kind of shrug it off and I'm like, oh, well, was it was it good content? Did they present those games? I, I judge it differently at that point because, you know, I wasn't all in ooh and aah about it, but I, I, I like these. It's the sweet spot.
1: Well, Yield, it seems like you and I have similar ideas when it comes to E3. Before we delve into any of the news that's actually been announced as part of E3 2021. Let's let's talk a little bit about trophies, sir. We'll do we'll do our, our, our trophy segment for the show uh just just in the uh we'll do the Joe Priestley updated trophy count. Tricky Mick is a level six hundred and eight with a total trophy count of fourteen thousand fifty eight with a platinum count of two hundred and fifty six. I am level four hundred forty three the trophy count of 7308 and a platinum count of 112 and
0: 111 games yield sir i am a newly minted level 448 trophy count of 7442 and a platinum count of 124 i've got the fours and the twos and i win
1: i mean you're uh you got you got the monopoly on fours and twos you're now you've now rocketed past me uh you're now over 100 total trophies above me what are some of your recent trophies from?
0: Uh, the biggest batch has been Knockout City and Helldivers. How,
1: how far into Helldivers are you, trophy-wise?
0: Uh, trophy-wise, I got... I need three more for the Platinum, and that's just basically playing the game. I need level 25. I need a Galactic Campaign, which is finish a planet... finish a planet... in a successful Galactic Campaign. So the first campaign we lost... Which I jumped in and do it in the, into it was a third of the way done when I jumped in, and so now we're on our second campaign. So I'm hoping that we win this war. We lost the last one, so that way I can knock that trophy out, and then I have the hundred thousand kill trophy. And before Off in I came the far flung future, in yes. a galaxy far, far away. And the uh when when I came up here to record, I was almost at thirty seven thousand. So I'm not doing bad.
1: No, it seems like you're blasting through pretty well. Although, obviously, that last trophy is going to take far more time than the others.
0: Yeah, I figured. See, I knocked out. The first week I started playing it, I think I knocked out roughly 10,000 kills in a week. So that's kind of going to be my goal is just to kind of just play enough. If I can knock out 10,000 kills in a week, because I play a lot solo. You know, then I, you know, so because solo you can get depending on what planet you can get 100 to 300 kills a mission. So I mean, you it sounds like wow, 10,000 kills in a week. Well, when you're knocking out 100 to 300 kills a mission, and there's three missions to a planet, uh, you can hit 10,000 pretty quickly. When you play with a group of people, now you're down to 50 to 100, depending on how many alarms you set off. As you, I'm sure you are well aware of.
1: Just, but just to put into perspective, as you said, um, you, if you're getting, for a hundred thousand, if you're getting a hundred kills per match, you have to play a thousand matches to get a hundred, a hundred ten, or a hundred thousand kills. If you can keep up a hundred kills per game.
0: Yes. So I, I play a lot solo, because you get a lot more kills. But, um, but you can only do that. I've done a level 11 planet on my own. But that was by the skin of my teeth. I mean, I was dodging and running for my life when it got thick. Dodging, ducking, dipping, diving, dodging, yeah. ducking. Ten, I, I feel okay with ten. You know, nine and under, I'm good. Ten is still a challenge, but there are I'm missing two stratagems from the bug world, and those are like eleven and higher. I'm go- I'm gonna need help. But I've been jumping in on other people's multiplayer games. And helping them out so I can get the reward. Like before I came up to record, I jumped in and got one of the capes that's like a planet 11, level 11 difficulty. And I'm like, I don't have that. So I jumped in, helped them do the missions, got it. Like, cool. Thanks. I'm done. Audi. So, but yeah, knockout city, hell divers have been my two big trophies collections. I am surprised that hell divers has still got people playing online. Oh, they're going. It's a good couple hundred people. Every time I log in, there's at least a good couple hundred people on there.
1: That's dedicated community right you, there.
0: You know how it tells you how many people's in each section? And it's around 150, 200 people.
1: Fair enough. Good, good for them. I'm just shocked after all, after all this time, these, these years, you figured the community would be
0: dead, but it's not. No, it's not. And there are still plenty of, there are people, I've run into a lot of people, level 50. That's the max. And there are still people playing the game. They're jumping around. They're helping all of us people that are in the low levels. Jumping in, doing what they can to press you through the map. And then, outing, they're they often to help somebody else. I'm like, that's pretty cool.
1: Very charitable good souls there. So, from from one community, the Hell divers community, back to our community, just a couple more trophy counts to read off here. We got Sid at level 515, total trophy count of 10,358, and a platinum count of 176. And, of course, the elephant in the room, not specifically the person, but just the fact that we haven't mentioned him after promising he would be on the show. Levi is level 183 with a total trophy count of 705, still waiting on that first platinum, which Levi has promised us this year. Uh, Levi was sent to join us, he was on Skype and everything, but unfortunately, after doing his entire setup, he realized that his microphone is likely broken. So, Levi is going to go buy another microphone, and he is going to join us next week. Uh, and Levi actually came up with our Topic of the Week for this, for this week, so we're going to save that for next week. Technical issues! Technical issues. God, they're a bitch. <laughs> I've already <laughs> had <laughs> my internet drop on me a couple times in this recording, much like it it plagued me last week, so we'll see how well uh, my paper-thin internet connection holds up here, up in the office, way, way up in the tip-top of the house. Wheeled, Yeah. You were gabbing a little bit about what you've been playing. You got yes. a little bit in depth. We talked quite a bit about Helldivers. Is your brother still playing Helldivers? Yes, he is.
0: Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm the farthest of the group. Uh, we were all playing this weekend, actually. Uh, I'm at 22, 22, 23 is where I'm at. Um, everybody else in our group is, uh, I think 13 to 17 level-wise, so that's where we stand. So I've been the guy that when we all get together, I'm like, don't join my game, I'll join your game, so that way we can collect, you know, the weapon stratagems and all that, because if you join my game, you're just getting XP. You're not getting any weapons. I've got most of them. So I'll join your game, I'll help you guys. What else, sir, besides hell divers. Hell been playing Knockout City. Uh, me, Brain76 Nitro, been crewing up, knocking people out. Been playing Spyro 3, Year of the Dragon. And, uh, Rocket League on Thursdays. And, a little bit of World of Warships. Has some premium day. Is, some your, premium is your, is your flame,
1: off. your, your zest for
0: World of Warships dying out, sir? It kinda is. Uh, I I got, right before Carriers came out, I was kind of like, you know, I need a break. I had done two or three of their campaigns, and Carriers came out. I kind of dove back in, or stayed, dived in, to kind of unlock the goodies that came with Carrier Week. And then after that, I kind of pop on. I get my daily. I might play some AI battles to work on my Bureau projects. And then I'm playing other stuff. Oh, I've also played some Ghost Recon Wildlands. Got back into that. So I've just, I started playing some other games because diving into the campaigns for World of Warship took up a whole lot of my gaming time and I didn't have time for other stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I want to play other things. So this, at kind of at the start of this year, I kind of was just like, I'll play it for a little bit, maybe an hour or two, and then I'm going to play something else. And that's kind of what I've been doing this year.
1: Yes, sir, you've been all over the place while I've been a little bit more focused on my gameplay. But that's always kind of been the way that you and I have worked. I
0: Yeah, I kind of, I, I, find, it, I find a game that I, kind of like a, oh, a squirrel, maybe? Ooh, shiny. And I'll focus on that for a really long time. Is that, Ooh, is that how shiny. squirrels
1: operate? I thought squirrels were like, oh, look, a nut on the other side of the road. I'm going to run across the road and risk my life. With two cars barreling at me. I thought that's how squirrels operated.
0: Well, it, sometimes I play games. I guess that's what it feels like. I, I, I don't know. I saw, I saw a squirrel.
1: It was climbing on, on a power line. And just, it looked to me, like, it was, it was, it was giving me some serious anxiety. Because the thing was, like, twitching all around. I thought maybe it was getting electrocuted. And I was like, oh my god, fucking poor squirrel. <laughs> I can't handle this shit, squirrel. I don't need the trauma of seeing you electrocuted in front of my face. In my <laughs> consciousness for the next week. Yeah,
0: that's, well, that's all uh, playing, at least sir? I, I, at least he didn't fall. That'd have been worse. No, he
1: did not fall. He was rock solid on that thing. He was stuck to it. It's like somebody glued him to it.
0: But yeah, no, that, I think that's been it. I almost forgot. Like I said, I almost forgot Ghost Recon Wildlands. I hadn't played it in a while because so I hadn't played it for a while because I was stuck on the Sam Fisher mission. They they intertwined last. Time, if you remember last time I was talking about it, they there was a Rainbow Six mission. And then there's a Sam Fisher mission. Well, I was stuck on this Sam Fisher mission. And then I kind of took a break because it was annoying me. I, I couldn't finish it. At least at, at this point, I can't finish it. So I took a break. Well, I fired it up the other day, and I'm, I'm still on that mission. And I could. it took me an hour, because I tried it a couple more times, to figure out how to cancel out of that mission so I could go back to having my menu of all my missions and I went off and did other stuff and I'm like, I'll come back to this mission later. Maybe I need to be ranked up a little bit more. Cause it was kicking my tail. And I finally admitted defeat for that. Well you know, you mentioned you've been playing Knockout City, and we we know that Tricky has
1: mentioned he wants to get Knockout Twos is like a thing. He wants to make it a thing like Rocket League Thursdays is a thing. Having played the game quite a bit do you think this is a game that's going to catch a community and it's going to keep going? Or do you see this as kind of like a flash in the pan? Like, this is the new multiplayer game, and we'll all divert our, our attention six months down the road. Like, is Knockout Tuesday going to be a thing?
0: I, you know, it, it, it's hard to say. I mean, I've been playing the game for a couple weeks, and I've already got 70% of the trophies.
1: But but is this a game like, are you after you get all the trophies, if you do get all the trophies, this is this going to be a game like Rocket League? Because you're not even get, going for trophies at this point. I think there are some that you still need to get, but you're just playing to play Rocket League. Is, is this is Knockout City a game that you're going to be assuming that they you know, iterated on it or they they make improvements along the way? This is a
0: game that you're going to play when trophies aren't involved in your in your hunt. you your gameplay? Uh, you know I might play it with if if there's a group, and I, I want to say no. Once I get the trophies, I probably won't play it a lot, but it's it's hard to say. If, if the group still keeps playing, I, I'll play. Well, I mean, with Rocket
1: League, one of the things that happened, that kind of drum, drummed up more excitement. For the longest time, it was not a free-to-play game, and then last year, it switched to free-to-play, and they started from Season 1 again, and there was a whole bunch of ac- excitement around the game, because it's like, okay, it's free-to-play now, there's a whole influx of new players, they're going to do an entirely new structure for the Rocket Pass, or at least improve their Rocket Pass infrastructure. I've been playing Rocket League for so long because of just how fun of a game it is that I, I would still, you know, play the game. Yes, more likely to play the game because of events. But if you know there's any dip in time when I don't have any content to play, with, if I you know I beat a game or get a platinum and I don't have anything else to play, I, the chances of me playing Rocket League are quite high. Rocket with with Tricky and so many people seeming to jump on the bandwagon for Knockout City, I admittedly I haven't played a single second of it. I'm just kind of curious if this game, you know, following Fallout Guys and everything, is this actually gonna be a game that people stick to? Is are are people going to adhere to it or is it gonna be one of those things where people all jump to the ship of Knockout City and then six months later Knockout City
0: is just dead in the water? There seems to be a lot of people grouped up because You know, when you're in a, when you're in a clan or a crew, crew as they call it, your crew name comes underneath when you're loading into a game, your crew name comes underneath your PSN name. So, you know, and I, I'm pretty sure that it's cross platform, you know, PC, Xbox, and PlayStation. So I think it'll have staying power, but I do think that they will eventually, they'll have to entice other things to do to to keep it fresh, I, I know that they're changing out. You've got like four game modes, and there is a set limit on it. Like we've been playing what they call Team KO, which is three versus three, while well, that expires in like two or three days, and then they'll bring a different game mode up, and then you still got your other two game modes, and they've all got a counter on them of how much, how many more days that they're around. So I kind of like that in essence that it, it keeps it fresh um yeah but if you really like a
1: certain game mode and I'm sure they'll bring it back around but if you really like yeah like the three person KO like taking that away you have a chance of killing off interest in the game because like if you think about like Rocket League that is true if you take away the standard mode and people have two on two one on one or chaos and only they're only available for part of the time you that that like I prefer three on three like I just like standard Rocket League it's not too chaotic but you know it's it's not like Quite as you know, it's not quite as hard as two on two. Like there's more, you know, more teammates you can rely on, so it changes the gameplay. Standard's just the way I like to go. So yes. if you take that away, if you roll
0: that back, it's like, well, do I really want to play this? Yeah, do, yeah. Do I, I'll come back in a couple of weeks when you bring standard back. Yeah, I'm. I I'll just be interested to see because they had before I bought the game while it was under Block Party. They had, I think, there was three modes that you could play. One was. Team, Team KO. The other one was Diamond Dash. Now I enjoy Diamond Dash. Our, our group was pretty good in Diamond Dash. Well, Diamond Dash went away. They replaced it with CoinGrab. So I'm interested to see when Team KO goes away, if we get a new mode or if they're going to bring back Diamond Dash or what. So it's still new. It's still, it's still in its infancy. But what interesting thing I wanted to bring up was the last, the last multi, uh, the last trophy for experience is 250,000 experience. Well, as you've heard us talk about here, a friend of the show, The Brain 76, hit 250k Friday night. He's already got that trophy. I've been playing pretty hard this weekend because it was double XP weekend. So I'm like, man, I'm going to take advantage of this and get as much as I can to knock towards the 250k. So, so yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of just putting it in perspective, you know, and he, he may have bought it four days before me. So yeah, I mean, really what I, I, I need,
1: I'm kind of in desperate need of a PlayStation five at this point. Cause I really, really want to play Russian Clank, which of course you
0: know, came out on Friday. Speaking of that, not to cut you off. I saw something, a, a tweet from, I, I, I don't know if you follow them, follow them much, but I follow cheap ass
1: gamers. I used to follow them. I don't, I haven't, I haven't followed
0: them much in recent years. Okay. So I saw a tweet Friday, Thursday or Friday. So it would be this past Thursday or Friday, you listen to the show, that apparently there is a Rift apart PS5 bundle in the wild in Europe or will be coming to Europe. So the tweet was kind of implying that if it's coming to Europe, it may make its way over here to the States and after saying no, I won't buy a PlayStation 5, if I could trip across one of those, I might pick one up.
1: You'd have to have some pretty dumb luck to trip across one of those, you know, given how, how scarce they've been.
0: How scarce they are here, you are right, and I'm not paying more than retail price, so. But yeah, I was like, now that, a bundled one with a game. And I know, yes, they were bundled with Astro's Playroom. I mean, I, Le- no, I don't want to say legit game, that's bad on Astro's Playroom. A big budget game? You've got me there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, as far as what I'm playing right now, I can't, I can't think about how much I want to play Ratchet & Clank, because that'll just make not having a PS5 available even worse. But, uh, yeah, I'll tell like, you, the screenshots look
0: beautiful. I'm just telling yeah, you. I've got, I've, a friend,
1: I've got a friend who was sending me text last night talking about He's traditionally been an Xbox. Uh, he's 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 played traditionally on the Xbox, mostly, I should say. He primarily plays on the Xbox console. But uh, he he was messaging me last night, and he's going back and playing some of the old Insomniac games from yesteryear. I know he's he's gone back and played Spider Man. He's you know he says that uh, it actually might be his favorite game of the last generation. But uh, his first his message to me was uh, let's see where is it. Bro, whenever you can land your hands on a PS5, the new Ratchet & Clank game is mega awesome. And that's coming from somebody who usually plays on the Xbox, so I know he's going back and playing Insomniac games uh, now. Uh, he said a quote from him, Insomniac game, Insomniac are amazing. So, lots of love from my friend Colin there for Insomniac. But yeah, as for now, in the meantime, still grinding through poke- new Pokemon Snap. I'm, I'm getting close to the end. But uh, when I say the end, I mean, I've completed my Pokédex. I've got max research level on almost every area of the game. But I'm just trying to go back through and get all the different, um, the one through four stars photos of all the Pokémon, which over the course of the game is over 100 pictures. So uh, as, like to, as as much as I say I'm close to the end, uh, I've achieved some of my goals. But as far as getting all the pictures necessary to complete the decks. I'm still a ways away there. Uh, and then Rocket League on Thursday. We played this past week with Nitro for Rocket League Thursday as me yielding Nitro. So, uh, yeah. If you yeah. like watching Rocket League, if you like our personalities, please come to twitch.tv slash Gamer on Thursdays, 7 o'clock for Rocket League Thursdays. Hopefully next week we have uh, a, a, a more full Better team. win ratio. Well, I mean, I, I say a, new, a, a more full team, but three is kind of the preferred way to play. Usually yeah, we have four show up, but, you know, hopefully uh, we get, you know, it's always good. As much as I don't like Chaos as much as Standard, I do enjoy having more people there to play. You know, having four as a team, you know, it's just, it's a lot more fun. So, I don't know. It's kind of uh, a give and a take. I don't really want to play Chaos as much as Standard, but I'd rather have more of us playing. So, uh, but shout out to Nitro for, for joining the team last week. And, uh, yeah, I mean, a better win-to-loss ratio would be nice. Of course, I cost us the, the final game because I flubbed up a save in overtime. But, uh, it would figure yield that in a game where I get three saves, the one that I miss is the, the one that ends the fucking game.
0: The, the most important one? It happens. Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, so, I think this is the longest. We've almost gone an hour without getting into any, any topics, um. So, well, let's roll right into them. News, news topics-wise, we got about half PlayStation news, we got about a half E3 news, so let's dive in here. We touched a little bit on Ratchet and & Clank, and I, I want to kind of cap all the PlayStation news with Ratchet & Clank talk. One of the stories we, we hit on previously was a much-beloved game, Roguelike Hades, from the, the creators of, of Bastion, uh, Supergiant Games. Hades is officially launching on the PS4 and PS5 on August 13th. Very nice that it's coming to both consoles, because obviously for those of us who can't find a five, hell, maybe we want to play Hades. On a bl- this this news comes in on a blog post on the the PlayStation blog by the creative director of Superg- Supergiant Games, Greg Kasavin, And yield as a note, Greg actually I believe used to work. A, he was a writer for Gamespot, a writer and editor for Gamespot. And when I was big in ete 3 I think Greg was one of the guys who would work at GameSpot. Again, from Greg's blog post: "Quote, if you're familiar with Hades, you might be wondering what's different about the PlayStation versions. The PlayStation 5 version runs at 4K at a target 60 frames per second, whereas the PS4 version runs at 1080p at a target 60 frames per second. On the PS5, the 4K visuals really bring out all the wonderful detail of our art team put uh, our art team put into the hand painted characters and environments." I don't know if you've seen much of Hades, but it is a colorful game, and it is beautiful. Just from
0: what I have seen here and the uh, mini-trailers from the PlayStation blog, I, I know that it won a lot of awards, but I hadn't really paid much attention to it. Yeah, and I, I'm, when it comes out, I'm, I'm
1: likely, likely going to buy it just on the visuals alone and this hectic gameplay. Um, and, and I was a big fan of Bastion, so uh, knowing that Supergiant Games makes really, really great games, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to jump on board. Um, uh, a, couple, a couple other quotes here from Greg. We also take advantage of the Dual Sense controller's immersive haptic feedback in certain cases, such as when you go to pet the notorious Hound of Hell Cerebrus. It's a fine way of cheering yourself up a bit between escape attempts, and you'll practically feel his breath as you pet him. Also later in the game, you'll gain the ability to summon aid from certain companions, and quick, high-tense pulses on the left trigger will reassure you uh, help is immediately on the way. Both the PS4 and PS5 versions of Hades will also feature little details with the controller's light bar, which will match the color scheme of the Olympian god you're interacting with. Plus, there are 50 trophies waiting to be unlocked, including a shiny platinum if you can get all the rest. I also wanted to mention that in addition to digital versions slated for August 13th, physical editions published by Pirate Division will be available at launch. New box versions of Hades include a complimentary download code for the Hades original soundtrack, which I'm sure is banging. Featuring two and a half hours of blood-pumping music by Darren Korb, a 32-page full-color character compendium, art with booklet with artwork from the game by Gen Z. The first pressing of the the first pressing of these versions also feature a new a unique foil cover. Note that both retail and digital PlayStation 4 versions of Hades will include a free upgrade to the digital PlayStation 5 version. So there you go. August 13th. When it's hot as hell outside, the dog days of summer. Why not uh, jump into Hades, where the action surely will be hot as hell? Uh, I'm I'm glad we have a date on this game because, uh, like I said. I'm. I'm assuming I won't have a PlayStation Five by this time, but it's nice to know that I can play Hades and if, on the four, and then if I ever want to, I can upgrade to the play market. it again on the five. Yeah. So I'm. I'm actually pretty excited about that. Uh oh, getting sucked back into the world of PlayStation. I mean, given that I played Rocket League and I, I, I don't know. Well, uh, Spirit of the North. I was about to say I couldn't remember the last game I played on the on the four, but it was it was Spirit of the North. I don't know. I, I never actually leave the PlayStation ecosystem. I just take the small little breaks. Here. You just take a break, yeah, which is fine. Yeah, and especially since Horizon Forbidden West will likely not be out until the end of the year, if even this year, gonna need something to play on the four. Yes, you will. Sony, in their attempts to bring more original IP to the PlayStation brand of consoles, previously announced a collaboration on a new multiplayer IP with Firewalk Studios. We talked about that here on the show. Sony has also now announced on the PlayStation blog that it is partnering with a new studio called Deviation Games on a brand new original IP. Uh, The blog post comes from Deviation Games CEO Dave Anthony. Just want to read some of the things he's written here. Quote, it's been a wild and crazy rollercoaster ride this last year building a new studio and hiring a ton of great talent amid the pandemonium of the covid-19 lockdown what an incredible journey so far and finally the day that marks the beginning of our new next chapter has arrived today we are thrilled to announce a landmark deal for deviation games working with sony interactive sony interactive At- entertainment to develop a brand new original ip so we don't really have a ton of information about the game right now they've just started in development So, but there were a couple of quotes that Dave shared that I I thought were worth mentioning here on the show. Uh, He says, we call ourselves deviators, and as Jason describes it, and Jason is um, his partner, Jason Blundell is the partner here at the top of Deviation Games. We call ourselves deviators, and as Jason describes it, another way of saying deviator is a renaissance mindset. Deviators are not only passionate about their own discipline, but they love others too. We believe that this is that is what is unique and special about our studio, the culture, the team, and this project. From experience, young, determined studios need rock-solid support to thrive. That's why it means so much that PlayStation has partnered with us on our first game. As you all know, having enjoyed the amazing PlayStation Studios portfolio, they know what it takes to make great games. To, par- to have a partner like that behind us makes the road ahead simply breathtaking. End quote." Yield, what do you think about all these smaller partnerships that Sony is making instead of necessarily buying up studios and, you know, creating... First party games that way.
0: So, a part of me wants to say this is Sony's answer for Microsoft gobbling up Double Fine, Ninja Theory. Am I saying that right? Ninja Theory, yes, great. Ninja Theory, yeah, Ninja Theory and Bethesda, stuff like that. So, they're going out and they're kind of, no, this is my interpretation, not theirs, going out and getting like the next the next generation of studios, so to speak. Now, more and more of the indie scene is making games that are in my wheelhouse. Whereas before, as we well know, and I've admitted, I always made fun of the indie games because they weren't in my wheelhouse. Now they're making them in my wheelhouse. So I'm interested to see what they do. And I think, you know, when you think of a
1: studio that's kind of a startup and they're working on the roast game, you may think that they're a little on the smaller side. But... In the blog post, Mr. Anthony shares the fact that, as a quote, as far as for today, I'm here to say keep an eye on us. We've on amazing talent from around the world. We're over 100 deviators and growing fast, and we have an incredible partner behind us in SIE. So 100 people in a studio, not as big as some AAA studios out there, but 100 people for their first game is pretty big, that, and they're adding That's more. pretty good. They're adding more people. And, you know, likely having support from SIE is is helping them bolster their ranks as far as their studio size goes, so I, you know, for years, I'm like, you know, I see a talented studio, like, say, supermassive Games, who did Until Dawn, and I'm like, Sony, buy them, buy them, buy them. But I think partnering with smaller studios and helping them bring new IP to the world is an equally great way to do things and to go about making games and producing games, so...
0: Well, yeah, because, because now you get the backing of Sony, you know, marketing, stuff like that. And then they can do their thing, and it and it gets, you know, they... They've already got a deal that it's coming on Sony's coming on PlayStation. Whereas, if they were on their own, you know, they could develop this really awesome game, but then they have to go to Steam, Microsoft, Nintendo, Sony, and pitch their game. Here, Sony's like, you know what? Here, we're going to help you make your game. So, I, I, you know. There could be good things come out of this. There could be bad things come out of this. I'm, and I'm talking like the partnership deal. But I, I hope it really works out for them. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've had Donnie on the show before.
1: And even some of us have said, hey, bring us new games. Stop with all these remakes and remasters. Bring us new games. And Sony has said in the past, Jim Ryan, came okay, from his lips, said that they're putting out more, you know, first-party exclusive games than ever before. And it seems like they're proving it. I, I can't wait to see what the, comes from these partnerships.
0: But also, as they announce more partnerships, I'm really looking forward to it. Yes, i've i I have been since I've been podcasting. I I am not opposed to sequels. It kind of like movies. Not opposed to a sequel, but it's got to be good. You can't just make a sequel just to make a sequel. Oh no, I'm not sure on sequels because I'm, I'm that way with video games. But I applaud more. I will cheer more when a studio goes out and brings a a totally new IP. Fail or not fail, at least you tried. You went outside your wheelhouse, you brought something new, bravo, because that's what pushes the industry. There could be something that comes out and totally flops, but you did something really well in that flop. Well, well, hopefully you did
1: something really well, because sometimes games flop because they're not good.
0: That's true. I'm being optimistic. And then from that flop there's somebody somewhere that'll go i really like what they did here i'm going to do that in my game and it and it, you know and it it pushes the industry along doing the same thing time and time again just it it's bland and it's not interesting so i i applaud this
1: you know optimism is definitely good and I, and i think we can both be glass half full kind of guys when it comes to the games that Sony is bringing to the table and the potential for their partnerships in the future. And like I said, definitely not shitting on sequels because Yield, we're getting ready to talk about a pretty big fucking sequel in a game series that is sneaking up on its 20th anniversary. So Ratchet & Clank, as I mentioned before, Rift Apart, came out on June 11th. It came out last Friday. Getting fantastic reviews.
0: Uh, again, And it looks amazing. A uh, uh, Hard-rocking guy. You remember him from SG days. I remember hard-rocking guy from Proving Gamer Days. From, from, from Proven Gamer Days, too. But he was sending me screenshots because he was playing it over the weekend. I was like, hey, how's, how is it? And so he started sending me screenshots. I'm just like,
1: wow, that game looks good. <laughs> well, my, my friend Colin had mentioned, I think on Twitter, where he said that this game looks like a Pixar game. And it's like, dude, they've been doing Pixar-looking games ever since Ratchet & Clank Tools of Destruction on the PS3. That's nothing new. Right, uh, yeah. not, uh, Insomniac Games has been kicking ass for years and years. But like critically... GameSpot and IGN both gave it nines. On Metacritic right now, with 108 reviews, it's got eight, eight, an 89 aggregate score. So the game the game is getting great reviews. Like Yield said, it looks great. I can't wait to play this game. I'm so... For a series that is almost 20 years old, for there to be this much excitement about Ratchet, Ratchet & Clank, the quality to be as high as it is, and to bring new people like my friend into the fold, and have them then go back and play Insomniac games based on that, that's fucking incredible. So I'm so happy for Insomniac and Ratchet and & Clank. Like, because it's one of my favorite franchises,
0: one of my favorite Sony franchises. Well, not just one of my favorite Sony franchises, one of my favorite franchises of all time. So I was thinking about this the other day, and I don't know why it popped in my head. I think Insomniac's done a really good job with the Ratchet & Clank series. They've done a trilogy of games, and then they've kind of gone off, done something else. They've come back, done another trilogy of games. We did Clank Story, kind of gone off. Did something else. Then we did the Ratchet and Clank game based on the video movie, based on the game. And then now we're, looks like we're going to be doing Ratchet Story. And I've liked it. They, it it's to me, and I, I came to the party late, so correct me if I'm wrong. It seems like they just haven't pumped out Ratchet and Clank to pump out Ratchet and Clank.
1: Initially we, they did because we, within the first. They? Within okay. for the first three games, they released those all in three years. I think they released a Uh-oh. second one uh, less than a year after the original one. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, I mean they they were pumping them out pretty crazily year after year, and then they came out with Secret Agent Clank on the on the PSP. You know they came out with like a Daxter game, a, a spin-off of Daxter from Jack and Daxter. So they were pretty heavy in Ratchet and Clank. And let's be honest, they have tried new things with Ratchet and Clank. They did you know Full Frontal Assault. They did it All for One. They've, they've done quite a few things, like a few spin-off games, well not really spin off games, but they've tried new things with the Ratchet & Clank formula, and the funny thing is, is here we are, almost 20 years later, and the most successful thing is still the original formula. Now, they've, they've, they've done things to improve the series along the way, but the gameplay style is, you know, it's pretty much it's the same. what has worked the best, instead of changing it up, is really going back to the roots and just making an action shooter, an action shooter platformer, like you know, the game first came out. With great writing. Yeah, so, you know, we say 20th anniversary, uh, which is a huge deal, and in a blog post titled Celebrating the Evolution of Ratchet & Clank on PlayStation, written by James Stevenson, the Community Director for Insomniac Games, uh, they talk about, you know, James talks about some of the stuff from uh, the series and just, you know, different games and and, and some of the effort that went into different games, just kind of an abbreviated history, a truncated history of Ratchet & Clank development. One of the things, though, they talk about the bottom is, uh, he does point out that next year is gonna be the 20th anniversary, and I just kinda wanna read a few snippets from that because I think that's what's really important here. Uh, if, again, if you wanna go read a little bit, uh, about, reminiscent about Ration and Clank and what it's taken to bring this duo to life, uh, the title of, of the blog post is Reflecting on the Beloved Franchise Before Ration Clank Rift Apart Launches on PlayStation 5. Actually, no, that's the subtitle. The title is Celebrating the Evolution of Ration Clank on PlayStation. So the quote from, uh, from Stevenson, One of the things that is most staggering to me about the Ratchet & Clank franchise is that coming up on its 20th anniversary in 2022, Ratchet & Clank are some of PlayStation's greatest heroes, having debuted on the PlayStation 2 console in 2002 and grown grown up alongside the consoles. Many of you have grown up alongside them. We can't wait to celebrate the 20th anniversary next year. I was 16 when this franchise came out. I'm now 36. That is nuts. Um, Wait, was I 16? Well, yeah, that'd be 20 years ago no, 2002, I was born in 84, so it came out in 2002, I would have been 17. Yes. Because I would have turned 18 later that year. Okay, I'd be 17. Sorry, my math is shit, but, uh... And while, uh, Stevenson continues, and while I can't hook you up with my cool Ratchet & Clank toys, hey, James, I've got three Ratchet & Clank action figures in mint condition in the box, on my mantle. Captain Quark. I I, I, I would like a Ratchet and Clank statue. Captain Quark, smuggler, Dr. Nefarious. Still in package, looking great. So I don't need your toys, sir. But thank you, anyway. Uh, Stevenson continues, we do have some new ways for you to show your love for the franchise. We have some brand new face filters for Instagram and Facebook stories. Turn yourself into Ratchet, Rivet, or Clank with these filters. They are hilarious, as they are intriguing. Invite your friends and family to give them a try. They've got stuff, um, like I said, for Instagram and Facebook. And then there's a, a t-shirt, a uh, water bottle. Um, we also have some brand new Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart merchandise coming to the PlayStation Gear Store, which ships to select countries. Here's a uh, quick peek, and I hope you are wear, wearing these in selfies or at the next gaming convention when it's safe for all of us to be in, together in person again. Why not share, share a photo of you wearing these with us on Instagram or Twitter with the hashtag Ratchet & Clank PS5 hashtag. And uh, like I said, like we were talking before, there's a shirt, a water bottle, and then what was the other thing you it, it, I think they said it was a pencil pouch. Okay, yeah, so you said you were a little bit disappointed with this stuff, and I'm just gonna say, I'm gonna remind you, this is likely a precursor to all the stuff they're gonna do for the 20th anniversary, because that's not until next year, so you can probably expe- ex- expect a Russian Clank collection of some sort. Maybe a PS3 collection, maybe they're gonna do...
0: Remaster... Remaster, uh, Tools of Destruction, Quest for Booty, and A Kraken Time? A Kraken Time? That, you know... I'd be okay with that. Yeah, so they're doing a little...
1: They're doing small things right now, and I think we're, our bigger stuff is going to come next year. I li- I love Ratchet and Clank.
0: And see, the funny thing is, the weakest of all those, which everybody seems to say is all for one, that's what got me into the series.
1: Yeah, it wasn't a bad game. I just think that a lot of people look at it, it's like, well, this is fine, but I'd rather be playing the old-style Ratchet games. So no no fault on Insomniac for trying something new it's just no, a lot no. of that stuff didn't necessarily work out you know you had what Ratchet & Clank Deadlocked which was the the arena shooter which previously had just had just been a small part of the other games like just a small segment I, of the other games so I,
0: I haven't played that one
1: I think I mean at this point Insomniac's the newest game Rift Apart and you know in the the 2014 Ratchet & Clank what we've seen is did that come out in 2014? Has it really been that long? Um, but I think what we've seen is Insomniac has learned that, okay, we've tried new things, but it uh, what's really worked for us, our bread and butter, has been the original formula that we've always had, so let's just work on that. Oh, okay, it was not 2014, it was 2016. I misspoke. But, you know, they've learned what has worked for them, and they're just improving on that formula. And you know, as you mentioned, they're not just pumping these games out anymore. You know, you do that kind of thing, especially 20 years down the road, you're, you're, I mean, you're working to kill a kill off franchise there. It's been five years since Ratchet & Clank on PS4, so now having Rift Apart come out all these years later, giving Insomniac a chance to, you know, not only to do stuff with, with Spider-Man, but also giving them a chance to kind of retool the Ratchet & Clank series and work on, you know, enhancing the story of Ratchet & Clank, because the entire arc has been, you know, Ratchet & Clank coming together, and their story together, and then also more so, you know, information about Ratchet, you know, you get some of Ratchet's story and snippets, you know, in every game, but, you know, him being the whole arc, this looks to bring everything far more full into picture. So, um, giving them that amount of time to work on this game is probably what has helped, you know, lend a hand, and and probably a a big reason why the game is being received so well. Because it's
0: just time for a new Ratchet Clank. Depending on how Rift Apart ends, you could have technically a nine-game story arc, which is kind of insane if you think about it, starting back all them years. And uh, and to to go along with a
1: kick-ass looking game, you've got to have a kick-ass soundtrack. Which, of course, Mark Mothersbaugh was brought on brought on for the Ratchet and Clank soundtrack. It is actually now available. I've checked. You can listen to the Ratchet and Clank uh, soundtrack on Spotify. You can also buy it on Amazon.com. So. You know, there's a number of different ways to pick it up. I'm excited to, to listen to it. And just to give you an idea of some of the stuff that went into the orchestral score for Ratchet & Clank, this blog post is written by Marcus Smith, creative director at Insomniac Games. The Interdimensional Melodies of Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart soundtrack out today. Quote, The soundtrack to Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart is so special to me, and none of it would be happened happen without the involvement of Scott Hano, music producer from SIE, so we've asked him to co-write this blog. Early on in our search for the perfect composer for Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart, we had been discussing the mutants and pillars uh, and landed on Epic. To be able to create soaring compositions that elevate the action of the game. Levity. To not be too serious as this is a franchise doesn't take itself too seriously, but also to not be overtly wacky as humor and music can turn cartoonish fairly easily. Unexpected. Because the universe of Ratchet & Clank is all about the mashup, duality, uh, uh, the mashup slash duality nature of combining ideas into unexpected results. We wanted someone comfortable with the unusual and the surprising themes. Ratchet & Clank has never really had a theme, a a musical motif that players could hum and say, I've got the Ratchet & Clank theme stuck in my head. And Scott Hanau writes, with Mark and his team on board, we quickly went to work from both creative and technical angles. Armed with Marcus's latest story treatment, Mark began produce, uh, producing an initial batch of themes. Having worked on games before, he was already familiar with creating compositions that are both evocative and memorable, as well as providing a, and the depth and versatility needed to adapt to an open-ended gameplay experience. Several weeks later, we received the first batch of music, which included not only our main theme, Rift Apart, but also the theme for Nefarious and the foundations for Clank, for Clank Puzzles and Pocket Dimensions, a huge success to put it mildly. The blog post continues. While Ratchet and Clank: Rift score is mainly rooted in orchestral and electronic elements, unexpected instrumentation such as concertina, pirate chanting, choir, guitar, conch shells, theremin, and more frequently provide uh, and more frequently provide unique sound sonic backdrops to each locale. Mark even used some of his trademark synths such as a mini Moog, mini Moog, and Oberheim TVS One that have been featured. On classic Devo albums, I don't know yield if you see the if you had the blog post here in front of you, but it's really cool the place that they actually recorded in because it looks like kind of like a uh, a renovated church. Yeah, so it's a pretty cool setting. It says inside the Hallowed Hall of Ocean Way Studios as the string section complete the final orchestral recording the session for Rift Apart. So yeah, the the locale they actually did the recording in is pretty damn awesome. That sounds amazing. Yeah, and uh, to finish up here. Um, a quote from from Marcus. Back in February 2020, just before lockdown started here in the U.S., we did our first string comp- and brass orchestra recording session in Nashville, Tennessee at Ocean Way Studios. However, a month later, and we all separated working from home, recorded two more sessions at Ocean Way, but everyone tuned in remotely. It was incredible to have the technology to be able to listen to in to a recording session happening a few thousand miles away and to hear high fidelity in real time. So, you know, they got together... And then a month later, they had to all split up because of COVID and record from home. So the fact that they could still get all this done, again, is a technical marvel and just kind of like a great showing of how connected we are as a people thanks to technology these days. Um, Scout wraps up with, uh, quote, Post-recording, the PlayStation Studios music team edits the countless individual takes on final mixes and stims, which are the, then edited into thousands of assets and integrated into a seamless musical experience. Most of this occurred under the unpredictability of covid not only did the majority of the mixing, editing, integration, and testing happen during work from home, we were all reinventing how we do our jobs at the same time. It's challenging circumstances to navigate, but a worthwhile pursuit along the way. So, yeah. I- I'm excited to hear exactly what the uh, the soundtrack is like. And like I said, it's on Spotify, so when I go into work tomorrow, I've got Spotify Premium. I can always listen to it there at work, even if I don't have the game. Just to set me in the right mood to go and uh, to kill some aliens with a rhino and to take down Nefarious once again, if you know what I'm saying here. I know what you're saying. Can't wait. Well, Yield, you know, that is going to kind of wrap up the PlayStation segment of the news. Now we're going to jump into a few notes from E3. And Yield, you know, if I miss anything, please feel free to, uh, to jump in and let me know. Perhaps one of the more pertinent aspects of E3 to come out of the Microsoft press conference, at least for me, was the Psychonauts 2
0: release date, Yield. You know, did you see this? I did not. uh, I did get my Game Informer that has a big feature on Psychonauts 2 and another one on Double Fine, but I did not see the release
1: date. Alright, so this news comes from Matt Perslow at IGN.com. You, you've been looking forward to Psychonauts 2, which, let's be honest, we've all been looking forward to Psychonauts 2 since the first game came out way back in 2005. But it's finally happening. There's actually a release date. It's here. It's coming. August 25th, 2021 is when you can get your hands on Psychonauts. It's going to be on PC, Linux, PlayStation 4, Macintosh, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and S. So, even if you are a PlayStation 4 owner, Microsoft bought Double Fine, you're still going to be able to get your hands on Psychonauts 2, which is which is great. I mean, we always knew that was going to happen, but I think that once Microsoft bought, Psycho, or bought Double Fine, there was a little trepidation about that. So, we're probably not going to get Double Fine games in the future on PlayStation consoles, but if we only get one more from Double Fine, this is the one I it to be. Per- and
0: I am perfectly okay with this. Yep.
1: So, And and one last thing to note, this, this This is not pertinent to PlayStation the PlayStation family consoles, but Microsoft announced that Psychonauts 2 will be available on Game Pass on launch day. So if you have a subscription to Game Pass, you get to play Psychonauts 2 for free on launch day. We've got uh, E3 running from the 12th through the 15th, so things are just kind of kicking off this weekend. One of the bigger notes from the weekend is the Square Enix press conference, and Adam Bankers at IGN has written up some of the larger notes from their press conference. Likely the, the biggest thing is going to be the uh, the official announcement of Guardians of the Galaxy from the Deus Ex devs, uh, but there's also some other notes in here of notes from, uh, from Square Enix, and as I said, IGN compiled all of these. Uh, just some of the headlines. Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin Revealed, which is going to be uh, a spin-off. Babylon's Fall, Platinum's live service co-op action game gets a new gameplay trailer. Screenix showing off the latest gameplay from that. They've also shown off some new content coming from the Avengers game. Uh, the Avengers 2021 20, content roadmap revealed alongside a new look at Black Panther, which of course Black Panther will be added as part of the Free War for Wakanda expansion. They've also spent quite a bit of time on Life is Strange. Life is Strange True Colors shows off gameplay and Alex Chin's empathy power, as well as showing off some of the, uh, giving some information on the Remastered Collection. Life is Strange Remastered Collection released and announced alongside first gameplay looks, so True Colors will be coming out on the 10th of September. And you've also got the Remastered Collection, which will include Life is Strange, Life is Strange 2 and Before the Storm, coming out on September 30th. So you got a whole lot of Life is Strange, might as well call September Life is Strange Month. Another headline, Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster gathers the first six games for Steam and Mobile. Legend of Mana is arriving on PS4 Switch and Steam on June twenty fourth, and then of course a montage from Square Enix's mobile efforts, all the games they got coming out for the mobile platforms in the Foreseeable Future. But Yield, as I said, lots of headlines there, but really the big talking point I think for you and me is Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, and, you know, you and I both watched the gameplay trailer. Uh, just a little note here. From Adam Bankhurst, Deus Ex developer Eidos Montreal has officially announced Guardians of the Galaxy, a third-person action-adventure game where players will jump in the shoes of Star-Lord. All the Guardians, Gamora, Rocket, Raccoon, Groot, and Drax will be joining you on your journey. The game is set to be released on October 26, 2021. It's important to note that you know these five Guardians are not all of the Guardians of the Galaxy from the comics, but it seems to follow in line with the MCU and the ones that the MCU chose to feature. Although, if you watch the trailer, you will note that There's different, like, Groot looks kind of the same. It's nice to see an adult Groot. Obviously, Groot died in the original Guardians of the Galaxy, and then we got a new Groot who, you know, was a child and then a teenager in Endgame and Infinity War. It's nice to see giant Groot, adult Groot back, because adult Groot kicks some serious ass. Um, But Star-Lord looks very different. Obviously, he does not look like um, Chris Pratt, uh, which is kind of jarring. We've seen that in the Avengers game, where he Characters in those games were not modeled after the uh, players in the MCU universe. But uh, all the characters in this, aside from maybe Groot, look a little bit different from their MCU counterparts. Kind of yeah, I mean, Yield, what, what did you think of the trailer? What do you think of the game so far?
0: You know, I like it. It. Um, it, it I'm going to keep an eye on this. It looks interesting, you know, of of how they, they said at one point that You know that you know you're Star Lord. You're the leader of this group, but yet each one will make their own decisions, and you kind of kind of have to lead with it, work with it, work around it. I'm like I I like this. It's and and the gameplay looked interesting, so I'm I'm gonna keep an eye on this because I had no idea this was in
1: the works. Yeah, there had been rumblings, but this is kind of the the first, uh, this, I mean, this is the official announcer for the game, the official coming out party for it. I, I think that, you know, I, I said that all the characters look, you know, a little bit different from their MCU counterparts, except for maybe Groot. Star Lords is a little bit jarring, just because I'm so used to seeing Chris Pratt in that role, but all the other Guardians, as far as their transition to uh, the IDAS Montreal version of the universe, like, I I mean, I like them. I think they look good. And, you know, I was impressed by the trailer. So, like you, this is a game that I'm definitely interested in. I think the one missed opportunity here is the fact that it is a single-player game, and you are Star-Lord. There's no multiplayer, there's no co-op. You don't get to play as, you know, the other Guardians, which you would think in a game like this, you know, maybe Square Enix wanted to, you know, to step away from the formula that they had in the Avengers. They said, okay, you know, we don't want to do this formula again, we want to try something different. Um, Maybe do a little more narrative story-based stuff, you know, something focused around, we're going to tailor a story to this one character, and everyone else will work around it. Um, but I think definitely that there is something to be said for a missed opportunity, not being able to play as with all the Guardians, because you figure all the Guardians would have their own gameplay style, all their own abilities, I don't know, with a team-based game like that, or a, a team from the MCU and from Marvel Comics, you would figure that having a multiplayer game where everyone could play their own style of character would be kind of a benefit, but, you know, one of the things that we did learn from IGN, um, from Matt Perslow uh, an article titled "Why Guardians of the Galaxy Is Not a Multiplayer Game." Quote: Talking to IGN, Guardians of the Galaxy's senior creative director jean francois Dugas said, "We started to discuss different opportunities like multiplayer co-op, but we really look, but really looking at what Guardians of the Galaxy is, and it's it's all about those characters. It's all about the colorful personalities clashing with each other and sometimes getting along. It's a mix of all these things: their qualities, their flaws. We thought it would be freaking awesome if you could just be one of the guardians." And he put you at the center of that, surrounded by these by those characters. And this is how it came to be. Ios Montreal, and that's going to end the quote from uh, Mr. Jean-Francois. Eidos uh, Montreal's desire to put one character at the center of the game and have the, those personality-filled characters revolve around them led to a system in which Star-Lord acts as the leader of the team and can issue orders to uh, the characterful AI-controlled teammates. Dugas noted, though, that Star-Lord is the so-called leader and so the other Guardians don't necessarily always respect him, which we saw when the Guardians of the Galaxy first came together in the MCU. Uh, Dugas says, You're not leading them officially, and sometimes the Guardians will make their decisions on their own, he explained, But we, we talk about this kind of ecosystem in which the other Guardians can be characters on their own, make their own decisions, have their own reactions, and you as a so-called leader, as the player, decide how to react to those things. We thought the purpose of this really was really, really exciting, so that we, di- we dived into that to explore what it would mean for the game. So, I mean, I think they had Garuda reasoning for making a single-player, and, you know, this seems to be the Guardians of the Galaxy's introduction to each other, you know, so it's not like they're picking up from where the MCU left off. This is kind of a new, like, a reboot for them. And so, I mean, I definitely respect the decision. Part of me still feels like it's a missed opportunity, because, you know, I would rather play as Groot, or Drax, or Rocket, or even Gamora as Star-Lord. I think, honestly, Star-Lord is the, the least desirable character to play as. But, um, the fact that, you know, they, there there are story implications behind it, and they're trying to make a more narratively driven story instead of like, oh, it's chaos, everyone just go in and hack and slash. I can respect that. What what do you think about their reasoning?
0: I'm okay with it. I mean, dude, I'm glad it's not multiplayer in the sense of just, you know, like, uh you, you know, you go online and play with a bunch of randoms. Um Co-op would have been cool, especially couch co-op. But... I'm okay with a narrative-driven game. I mean, who knows? Maybe at times you do take care of the different... You ta- do take control of the different characters. But, I, I mean, you've recorded with me long enough. I like narrative-driven games, so I'm perfectly okay with this. I get my Marvel fix, and I get my narrative game.
1: And they can always, you know, the gameplay style, they can always go back in the future, you know, I mean, like, Last of Us, the, the sequel added... Wait, did they, did they have multiplayer in the first Last of Us?
0: Yeah, they, they did. did. They, they okay, had, that
1: bad example. The that's why a lot of us didn't get the platinum. Okay, they they added multiplayer to the last or to not only oh God dang it, recording for too long. Uncharted, Uncharted. That's the one I was going for. So there was no multiplayer in Uncharted. They added multiplayer in Uncharted two, and then you know kept it up with the, with Uncharted three as well. So. They can always go back and add multiplayer or co-op in a sequel. Maybe this is their way of saying let's introduce all the characters and the characters' dynamics and their you know how they react to each other, and then later on down the line when they become you know a fully formed team. Not that they're not going to bicker and argue, but maybe you know multiplayer and co-op is something they can revisit down the road. But uh, I mean, yeah, like even with the lack of you know multiplayer and co-op, you know, I'm still excited for this game, and I think that when it comes to personalities. When, you know the team-based aspect, I think that fewer teams in the Marvel universe have, you know, there you know there are not many teams, I should say, beyond the, that have more personality than the Guardians of the Galaxy. Like they, the personas in the in in that group are just so different, and just seeing them unfold and how they you know eventually come together, like that's like just a I'm like a masterwork of art. So, uh, seeing all the interplay between those different couple of personalities, if they can pull that off, then I I, I can forgive them for you know, the lack of some kind of multiplayer. And in, in a game that screams let me play as all the Guardians. Well yield. I think we're gonna save, we have a topic of the week, but we're gonna save it for next week when Levi comes on because uh, it's a topic of discussion that Levi wanted to start, so uh, just as a heads up, as a little to whet your appetite, our topic of the week for next week is gonna be uh, Game Pass, PSN Now, and the future of gaming and streaming services. So if you've got any particular things you want, to, any questions you want to have there, any topics you want to add, or anything you want to add to the conversation, you know, get on our socials this week, uh hopefully Facebook, because that's really where we do most of our, our chatter, uh, and just kind of add to that conversation. So we'll, we'll save that for next week. Although, speaking of our socials yield, I don't have the Lion King, but I will say, we do have some questions, I believe, from your brother, Mr. Get Stuffed. Oh, let's hear it. Alright. Uh, so, Homer asks, name three things, trash trends, that you dislike in the gaming industry now and explain name three things you think the gaming industry is doing good or has improved upon in recent years.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: I don't know if I can come up with three. Yeah, and we actually uh. saved this from last week uh, because Tricky wanted to give us a chance to think about it and I completely forgot about the question. I just thought
0: it was I, I, yeah, So so we're doing this on the fly here. So, uh, microtransactions, what, well, well, not keen on microtransactions, never have been. Um, if you're gonna, I, I, I've, I'm okay with DLC, but to, to just drop stuff here and there and then make you pay for it. I mean, I know you gotta make money, but. It's
1: it's it's just annoying. I think it's I think it's a fine line to walk because I think that you know you look at a game like Rocket League that we really enjoy. I think the microtransactions on that can be really good. I just think that their prices are they're, they're overpriced right now. I think yeah, I think if they pull back the prices a little bit, they would make more money because I think they would sell more. Uh, but again, as we talked about, I'm not paying twenty two dollars for a goal explosion. So I think that microtransactions. It's always a fine line to walk because some games implement them really well. But in other games, it seems like they're just, you know, um, flogging us for money.
0: Yes, um, th- th- that's one of the things. Um, I've never been a big fan of Battle Royale. Uh, I'm, I'm not really. I mean, I, I know I've played Knockout City. That's kind of a, a team-based game. I played a lot of Warhawk. A lot of Warhawk. Again, team-based game. I'm not much into the, you know, me against the world. Because I'm not good enough. So that's never been in my wheelhouse. And yet, you know, somebody made a, you know, Fortnite made it really popular. And then everybody jumped on that bandwagon. And I, I've, I've never been a fan of people jumping on other games' bandwagons. I like taking other ideas. Kind of like that idea. But the Fortnite or the the Battle royal bandwagon just completely blew up. And I have nothing to do with Battle royals. So I think those are the two main things that in gaming lately that just not keen on. Uh,
1: yeah, I'll I'll go ahead and name three things that I, in the game industry I think is doing really well or has improved in recent years. I think as far as like, um, you know, we talked about the Ratchet and Clank soundtrack. I really like that music and scores in video games has definitely become something, and it's been it, it's definitely been this way for years. I mean, you look back to something like Okami and how how good the score in that game was. Even, you know, Ocarina of Time. But I really love the fact that, you know, game soundtracks are, you know, it's not just part of a game. Like, they release that content for you to listen to other places, or, you know, you can buy it, or you can listen to it on Spotify, so I really like the fact that soundtracks are kind of standing on their own, you know, like they have for movies for years, or, you know, just releasing, like, a a musician or a band releasing a soundtrack to, you know, for you to to listen to. I like the fact that soundtracks have become so integral to the games industry. Uh, I like that you know, we talked about, you know, Sony being smarter about when they put out Ration and Clank games. But also, you know, I like the fact that, you know, they've done a really good job with the Uncharted series and The Last of Us and making sure that they're not putting out games, you know, in qu- too quick of succession. You even see someone like Ubisoft, you know, pulling, you know, pulling back the reins on something like Assassin's Creed. You know, they're, they're taking more time to develop the games. They're not putting out games quite as fast, and, you know, and they're doing the research, and they're putting in the work, and it shows in the quality of the games. You know, there was a time there when they were like, oh my god, they're putting out Assassin's Creed a year, or sometimes, some, in some cases, multiple games. I, I just can't handle this. Ubisoft has done a much better job of writing that in. And then, yeah, you've got your, your Activisions and how they're always pumping out seemingly some new Call of Duty, but I think that not having the sequelitis to the fact that we're getting sequels every year, game makers are getting much better at, at spacing them out and protecting the IP. And, you know, another good trend about the gaming industry I like is these, you know, the the Nintendo Directs, the State of Play. Is these smaller digital shows where they can showcase certain games and certain content. And we don't have – it's not like a, just a giant barf of content or a waterfall or avalanche where we're just doused in content for an entire week or week. And we, it, it's our job to sift through everything we want to see because IGN and GameSpot are just, you know, there's so much content that they're just basically writing it all up in blog posts that they can do one sentence one sentence – Headline and that's supposed to tell us, you know, everything we need to know about this game. So not only are game makers getting better about, you know, doling out sequels, they're also getting better about um, you know, doling out information, don't like doling it out in smaller chunks. It's you know, more often through the year, but in smaller chunks. So I like that. And it, just, you know, to add a fourth thing, I um Well, I lost it. Shit. Okay. So, I have three things there, uh, and then three things, trends you, that you dislike in the game industry. You know, I think microtransactions, as I said, can be a good thing, but I think that following the Fortnite formula of, you know, charging so much money for each item, I think that, you know, game makers, they need to look at the price structure for, for microtransactions, and they need to stop charging upwards of 20 bucks for one item or one skin, you know, Yes, Rocket League does offer bundles for some content, but for the most part, those bundles stay static for a month. You know, maybe for the life of the Rocket Pass. So, i I would like to see them there be you know rollback prices on microtransactions. I think that you know at this point, microtransactions they they can be good. You know, they're you know getting into a game free and then being able to buy content you want piecemeal is a good thing. But I think that it's, at times, because prices are so high, it feels like they're gouging people. So I think that they need to roll back prices on a lot of that stuff. And it's not just Rocket League, it's a lot of stuff. Uh, as far as, you know, trends, um, not being able to buy a PlayStation 5, that trend is, is getting irritated at this point. Um, not being able to meet demand. I will say another, oh, here, I, I do have another good thing, a uh, fourth good thing. The The frequent sales on the PSN uh, and other platforms, you know, Nintendo is doing a lot of sales on their platform, their online platform. But the fact that we have so many game sales now on the PlayStation Network and the fact that there's so many games to buy for cheap, that's great. I know that you were bemoaning that the other day. You may count that as a bad thing, Yield.
0: I, I tell you what, it hurts your wallet. Yeah. But it's, 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 it is a great thing of how they've molded PlayStation Plus into, you know, when it first came out, it was all about the free games. And it still is about, and I use this in quotations, free games. It still is. But really, your benefit for PlayStation Plus is your sale price that you get on games. You know, like like the Ultimate and Gold Editions of games. You can get, you know, what was it? I was looking at Far Cry 5, the Gold Edition, which comes with everything, 20 bucks. That's a really good deal. So, yay for sales!
1: Uh, one, I'll I'll write one other dislike here because, you know, you think about when we consume like streaming content, like you know how many streaming services are out there are out there Hulu, Netflix, Disney Plus, Paramount Plus, like all all this different stuff. And it seems like you have to have to watch all the content you want to watch. You know, it's like going to five different grocery stores to get your weekly, you know, your food for the week. It's like how many streaming services do we have to have in order to? watch all the content we want to watch with with playstation and this is specific, specifically playstation you know they have psn now and they have playstation plus one of the things i dislike is the fact that playstation plus and i think stephen mentioned this when he was on the last show i would really like to see playstation plus and playstation now combined so that you like roll playstation now into playstation plus and make it all one subscription i don't like having multiple descript- multiple subscription services on a single console so I mean that that's one thing I dislike. I I hate and not just for Sony. Like I hate having multiple subscriptions for everything. Like you've got to have so many subscriptions. I just I just want like as few as possible. So
0: I I am waiting. So to, to feed off what you said, my wife and I were talking about this for streaming. I am waiting for a streaming service or a company altogether to come out and be like, hey, you can get. These streaming services for this price. You know what I'm saying? That you can have access to Hulu, Netflix, and Paramount Plus, whatever it's called, for $30 a month. You know what I'm saying? I'm waiting for someone to start that business. Because you know it'll happen. Totally on video game related. Yeah. Uh,
1: Another trend, and this, I mean, some of these have been planted for years now, but, you know, We've seen Nintendo and Microsoft collaborate, you know, have their own business models, but also, and be successful with their own business models, but, you know, breaking down the walls and collaborating with each other, I would like to see Sony do more collaboration with other people, and not just be this walled-off garden. Like, I really, you know, I appreciate what Sony does for the industry, but I would like to see them collaborate more with other people. Um, You know, protect your IP, yes, but, you know, do do more work with, with Nintendo, and maybe, you know, Maybe allowing cross-play and maybe putting, you know, more of their games on PC and having a Steam Curator page. Maybe that is a step forward in that. But I would like to see Sony do more, um, to not be so like, we have this giant wall up and we, we don't like to work with anybody. And, and, and just, you know, just going beyond the small partnerships they're doing. I want to see them work with the other platform holders more. Um, yeah. So hopefully that answered your question. Uh, Yield, was there anything that you wanted to add for the things you think the industry is doing good right now?
0: Or doing well? I, it- I think that we're doing really well in
1: uh, narrative games,
0: you know, in and, and, and our storytelling, building universes. I think we're doing really good in that right yeah, now. Yeah,
1: having mocap and, you know, having legitimate actors, you know, play the role of those characters. You know, as we talked about when Steven came on, the role of Celine for Returnal was played by three different people. So having legitimate actors play those roles, even having, you know, like seasoned veteran actors, acclaimed actors come in and do voice work video games, that has definitely helped, so I definitely agree with you there. We're we're getting, you know, better quality writing and better quality acting in our games. Yes. it's it, it's like literally watching movies. And a shout out to Andy Circus, because Andy Circus was doing a lot of that work before most of the people were doing as far as Mocap and games, so uh shout out to Andy Circus there. Uh well guild? Unless there's anything else you want to add there I think that's going to wrap it up for this this week. You want to get to some shout-outs? Let's get to some shout-outs. All right, sir. Yield, I'll let you go first.
0: So, uh, shout-out to Nitro and Alex for Rocket League Thursday. Shout-out to anybody who tuned in and watched us. Shout-out to Alex for recording tonight. Uh, shout-out to Homer, good stuff. Prepare to die or scum. Harry balls on you, Hanging out, playing some Helldivers over the weekend. Shout out to uh, the Brain 76 Nitro for our Knockout City beatdowns. Uh, shout out to you, all the pimps and the madams of the whoredom for interacting with us, growing the show to where we are today. Very much appreciative. And uh, shout out to fans, because it's now muggy in the Midwest. And that's it.
1: Well, hopefully it's not as muggy in Ohio as it is here, as here in Louisville, because it gets bad here. Like it's not even the heat that kills you; it's just the oppressive mugginess. It's just it's a humidity. You gotta you gotta live in the Midwest to know the Ohio River Valley is a bitch during the summer. <laughs> yes, it is. I want to give a shout out to the listeners, the fans, the fuel to the fire of this Trophy Horse. Thank you all for continuing to support the show. Without you guys, without the community of Trophy horse. we wouldn't continue to do this. There would not be a Trophy Horse. So you guys are the real, the lifeblood of the show, the backbone. So we want to thank you guys as always. For supporting the show, whether you watch our Twitch streams, whether you watch the podcast, we really can't thank you all well enough. Uh, thank you to Nitro for joining us on this last or this past week's session of Rocket League Thursday. Also give a shout out to Homer for his questions this week. Um, as I said, next week we're going to have Levi on. He couldn't make it on this week, but we, we hope to have Levi on and we'll discuss more uh, Game Pass PSN now and the future of streaming services uh, when he comes on. Uh, last but not least, I want to give a shout out to my awesome girlfriend Ashley. Uh, we've been trying to do more stuff around Kentucky. We're not taking a big trip this year, but this summer we're trying to do smaller day trips, and today we had a lovely brunch at the Kentucky Castle in Versailles, Kentucky. Yes, I know. Treaty of
0: Versailles. Here in Kentucky, we call it Versailles. Give me a break. It's Kentucky. Dang. We we have we have a Versailles here in Ohio, and, or Versailles, and we call it Versailles, too. There you go. Uh,
1: but we had a lovely brunch in a castle, a legitimate castle. It's actually a four-star hotel that you can stay in, so it's really cool but this this is a castle like if you drive from Louisville to Lexington as many times in my life you see this castle all the time and i never knew never dreamed it could be not only a hotel but a a great place to get brunch so it it was it was very awesome spending the early early part of our day having bloody marys and uh morning alcoholic beverages spirits inside of a castle and then getting to you know go around the castle check out the grounds and and go on top of the castle and just kind of look out it was it was an awesome experience so um, thank you for sharing that with me, honey. I love you. And if that is all, Yield, you done? You done for the week? Yep, we're That's good. That's going to wrap us up. Thank you for listening to four, to episode 483 of Trophy Horse. We'll be ne- back next week with me, Yield, and Levi. But until then, happy Trophy on. Later. Save your last rest and Thanks for sticking with us to the end of another episode of Trophy Whores. Before we get out of here, you know how we gotta do. We gotta clean this shit up with some housekeeping. I wanna give you guys ways that you all can interact with us. We love interacting with you all, so we do like to do that as much as possible. Best way for you all to do that is to go on our Facebook page, Trophy Whores, and just interact with us there. Post memes, post stories you want us to talk about, ask us questions, ask questions of the community, share your latest platinum trophy, whatever you wanna do. However you want to share, just go on to Facebook. It's it's probably the thing that we check the most, and we often talk about that stuff on the show. If email is your thing, you can always email us at trophyhors at provengamer.com. And if you're into Twitch, like we mentioned on the show, we do Rocket League Thursdays every night at 7. You can go to twitch.tv slash provengamer to uh, join us every Thursday for Rocket League and just whenever Tricky decides to stream, and you know if Yield decides to do anything like Wreckfest in the future anything like that. If you want to support the show or Proven Gamer on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com forward slash proven gamer. And there are a number of different tiers there, the tricky setup that you can choose to support us at. But again, financial support is not necessary. We love you guys. And however you guys choose to support us, I mean you're supporting us just by listening to the show. And even if you can just give us a rec- give a recommendation to somebody, somebody you know, somebody you love, be like, hey, I know you like video games. How about you go listen to this awesome podcast, Trophy Horse? We would greatly appreciate. Word of mouth is Fantastic! It's it's the best kind of advertising we can ask for. Last but not least, Amazon.com. It's one of our main sponsors. And how can you help us out with this? Well, it's easy. Amazon.com is a it makes shopping online and shopping in general just so much easier. So we know that if, from time to time, regardless of how you feel about Amazon, you probably buy something from Amazon.com. Before going to the website, go to provengamer.com There is a link to Amazon on the homepage. It'll take you straight to Amazon.com so you can resume your shopping. It's one little extra step, but it does help us out tremendously, so we would greatly appreciate it if you would do that for us. Well, that is going to be the end of the housekeeping for episode 477. Again, thank you all for making it to the end of the show. It was a long show, but we hope that you enjoyed all the banter and all the Donnie babble on this episode. So excited to have Donnie back on. Until next week, go get some fucking trophies. Preferably in Spirit of the North. Because it's really good.